0: This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812.
1: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. It's great to be with you on this fine day as it is each and every day. Monday through Friday from 3 to 5. Always good to be with you. Hey, listen, what's the most important thing you can do today, right now? Like really, what is the most important thing? What should you pray about? What should you do when you get an answer to that prayer? And I believe that you will. Here's what I think you should do. This weekend is the 2022 Southern California Harvest Crusade. And I think what you should do is pray about whether or not God wants you to bring somebody in your relational world to it, somebody who doesn't know Jesus, somebody that you go to school with, somebody that you go to work with, somebody that is your neighbor, somebody that you just interact with on a regular basis. But when you pray about it, God puts that person on your heart for some reason. Well, I want to invite you to do that. You know, the reason that you were born, you know what happens at these crusades is that people all come down and some people receive Christ and it's great. That's and you you go down there with them, and they receive Christ, and the, later they get baptized, they grow in Christ. That's the reason you are born, and it's a wonderful thing to do. So I want to encourage you, because this weekend is the Harvest Crusade. It's Saturday and Sunday night, 6 p.m., doors open at 4.30. It's at Angel Stadium of Anaheim. I guess that's what we call it now, the Angel Stadium of Anaheim. It changes its name all the time. But you know where it is. It's the big A if you're old enough you know for it. Bring somebody who needs to hear Pastor Greg's gospel message. There'll be music from Crowder, Phil Wickham, Newsboys, Jeremy Camp, Andy Mineo, and a few other surprises there. And pray for somebody, invite them, and bring them out with you. And you can get more information by going to socal.harvest.org. And here to talk with me about it is a special guest. My guest is Pastor Greg Laurie, who can be heard daily on this station. His show is called A New Beginning. He is the senior pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Southern California and author of more than 70 books, including his recent book, Lennon, Dylan, Alice, and Jesus, The Spiritual Biography of rock and roll, and also Johnny Cash, The Redemption of an American Icon, which has been made into a movie documentary that will be in theaters December 5, 6, and 7. For over 30 years, he's also been leading Harvest Crusades, a large-scale evangelistic event here in Southern California and in cities elsewhere. And the next Harvest Crusade is coming up November 5 and 6. It's a free event, a great time for the family and the friends who you can invite who will love it. Crowder will be there, Phil Wickham, Newsboys, Jeremy Camp, and more. And there'll be a gospel message from Pastor Greg Laurie. Pastor, welcome to Southern California Live.
2: Scott, thanks for
1: having me. Good to be here. It's great to have you again on the show and to be here with you in person. Yeah, and, uh, last
2: time it was on the phone, so it's good to see you. Yes,
1: yeah, good to see you again, and uh, <laughs> you look exactly the same as the last time I saw you. Well,
2: I'll take that as a compliment, sort of. But it was in the last century. The but- good thing about going bald is you just kind of look the same all the time, you know, just... <laughs> You look older before your time, but then everybody else, their hair starts going gray, and you just kind of look the same. So. Yeah. Well, I
1: understand that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that as an encouragement because I'm You have I'm a good head way. of hair. No, you're good. I think you're good for a long time. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, you know what? We're excited about this uh, crusade that is coming up, and uh, what's going to be different about it uh, this year?
2: Yeah, well that's a great question. You know, every year, Scott, we want to have our crusade be as current, as fresh, as relevant as it possibly could be. It's very important for people to understand what the objective of this event is and why we even call it a crusade. Yeah. Why not call it a concert? Why not call it a conference or a festival? Those are all fine. The reason I use the word crusade is it it harkens back to the days of Billy Graham. He had the Billy Graham Crusades. Now Before Billy, there was D.L. Moody, who had his campaigns. And so we took that word that Billy used for all those years and kind of kept it in play, because this is an evangelistic event. That's why there's no charge for it. If you went to a concert to see Phil Wickham and the Newsboys and Jeremy Camp, you'd pay a pretty good ticket price for that. But this event is free, because we want to make the gospel, as the Apostle Paul said, without charge. So what we try to really emphasize with folks is yes, come and enjoy the music, yes, come and enjoy the fellowship, and all that's going to happen. But try to bring someone with you that is not yet a Christian, because this is event is designed for the non believer. Because you know, you know people that are Christians, and you'd like to take them to church. And the one Sunday you take them, the pastor is talking about tithing. <laughs> right. Oh, really? No, not this Sunday, Pastor. <laughs> but uh, but this is an event that's geared toward the non-believers, so they can hear the claims and promises of Jesus and be given an opportunity to respond to the invitation. Uh, Evangelistic preaching is preaching for a decision. Hmm. You know, it's different than what I do as a pastor or what people hear me do in The New Beginning where I'm basically teaching. This is really a message that's geared toward what are you going to do with Jesus Christ. But this year, we're going to show some exclusive never-before-seen scenes From the upcoming feature film, Jesus Revolution. Yes. I'm going to weave them into my message. It's going to be really cool. And it's going to be something that I think will really impact people. Because, you know, music and art and film, it can sort of disarm a person. Right. And so my objective as an evangelist is to build a bridge, to get them to listen to me. To help them see that I live in the same world that they live in and that Christ is the answer For them, no matter what their age is or what they're going through, Jesus is the answer. So I think people are really going to love this year's Harvest Crusade. Do you find that today, the
1: non-Christians that people would invite, that they maybe have some walls up or some confusion about what the gospel is or what Christianity is? A lack of a foundation. You know, I find that there's a lot of people who never went to Sunday school. You know, they couldn't tell you what Easter is, really. And the crusade is really built for pushing that away the clutter, the different things that can sure. get in the way of what our non-believing friends might think.
2: Yeah, I was one of those people, Scott. You yeah. know, I wasn't raised in the church. I remember going to my mother one day and asking her, what is Easter about? And yeah. she didn't give me an answer. Ironically, my mom was raised in a Southern Baptist church, but she was running from God at that time in her life and didn't want me to know God. And then I ended up coming to Christ and becoming a preacher. So it was like rebellion in the other way. Usually the kids run from God. I rebelled from that (laughs) sinful upbringing and ran to God. I like that. But anyway, so yeah, we want to explain this to people. I think people are so ignorant of the Bible, but yet a poll I just read recently was done, and over 50% of the population have a positive view of Jesus. Yes. It's sometimes the church that gets in the way, unfortunately, and and the, where we fall short, and we do, of course, but but people are interested in Jesus, you know? And yeah. so that's what I'm going to talk about. This is not going to be a political event. This is not going to be a moral crusade. This is an event where I'll talk about Jesus and tell people how to come into a relationship with him. You are quoted as saying, we don't need a political revolution. We don't need a
1: moral revolution. We need a Jesus revolution. Yeah. And I think you know, the election day is just a couple of days after this event. I think it's yes. important for people to know this is not an election rally. No, it isn't. And uh, it's important even for Christians to know. Do you think Christians put their hope too much in what happens on November 8th?
2: Yeah, sometimes. Let me just say, I do believe every Christian should register and vote. Absolutely. I do think we should vote biblically. I think it's very important. You know, This is a wonderful country we live in, and we have the right to vote people out and in. And so we should engage in that process. Having said that, uh, this is not a political event. This is not a political rally. You know, going back a bit uh, in the late 60s, early 70s, America was facing a crisis. There were riots in the streets. Uh, There was a great distrust of government. We had a war going on at that time. Uh, It just seemed like because of the drug explosion that the whole country was going down the tubes and God sent a spiritual awakening. It's called the Jesus movement, the Jesus revolution. And that's what changed the course of America in many ways. And I think as I look at what we're facing now, it reminds me of those days. And in some ways it's worse. And I think some people think the answer is purely political and that's a big mistake. Uh, There is a place for politics, but ultimately, I think this is a spiritual solution. We need to pray for our nation. We need to pray that God intervenes. We need to pray that we represent Christ well as his followers. And one of the things we can do is share our faith. So many Christians, Scott, never initiate evangelistic conversations. And we're commanded by Jesus to go into all the world and preach the gospel. He did not say the whole world should go to church. But he did say the church should go into the whole world. So this is a way that it sort of can help you start a conversation. Because the hardest part of sharing your faith is starting the conversation. Like, right? Well, how do I begin? What do I say? Here's how you begin. Hey, yeah, I want to tell you about a great event that's coming up at Angel Stadium. And I would like you to come as my guest. There's going to be amazing music and so forth. But it is about God. And and we're going to talk about things like what is the meaning of life and what happens after I die? Why am I so empty inside? Why don't you come with me and let's uh, attend this together? Then you start praying for that person that they will respond to the invitation when it's extended. That's right. And, you know, I think people should be encouraged by a couple of things. Number one, like
1: you said, people are more likely to say yes than what you might think, that that's they, right. they're, they might even be wondering why you don't ask them to church. Good, that's a good point. You know, they see you leave for church in the morning, and yeah. they wave to you, you wave back, and they're going, why aren't you inviting me? Why aren't you inviting me to this great event? Good point. You'd be surprised. And you talked about time in the 70s and the Jesus movement, the Jesus revolution, and I think that for the, the crazy world we live in today, it's helpful for younger people to hear that there was another time yeah. where things were crazy. yes. And, you know, maybe we're coming to a point where Jesus is going to return and this is the end. But I like to tell people maybe we're at a time where there is going to be another great Jesus revolution. Yeah, that's that's possible.
2: Well, and we are living in crazy times. I mean, you hear President Putin talking about using nuclear weapons. You hear our own president use the word Armageddon in a sentence. Well, we need to pay attention. Now, I don't believe this will lead to Armageddon, but that's another subject for another time because there's a chronology to end time events. But having said that, is it possible that we could have a nuclear war? Well, of course it's possible. Mm. You can't say it could never happen because it could. I pray it won't. I pray God will intervene and we should all be praying to that end. But but these are alarming times. And I do believe that we're seeing Bible prophecy being fulfilled before our eyes. But having said that, my prayer is that we'll have at least one more spiritual awakening before Jesus comes. Now, if he wants to come before that, oh, well, that's fine by me. But, uh, you know, it would be a great thing. And, I, you know, because I want to see people come to Christ. and And this is something that should be the passion of every follower of Jesus. So, Listen, this is a custom-made event. All you need to do is invite a person. And, Scott, I would emphasize the key is bring them. We found that 85% of the people that walk forward on the field to make a profession of faith were brought by a friend. And we've seen thousands and thousands of people do it over the last 32 years. I believe this is the longest-running consecutive large-scale evangelistic event in America I've never heard of anything like this on this scale going on for 32 years. You know, Billy would go to this city and that city. Sometimes he'd stay in that city for a week or even almost a month in some cases. But then he would move on. But this has been going on for 32 consecutive years.
1: I think it's been going on, too, because people are getting saved. Yeah, And, you know, making disciples, taking that effort with the people that God has placed in your life. Yeah. This is the greatest endeavor ever given human beings, to go and make disciples. And I'd encourage you that you're not doing it alone. You have supernatural help with the Holy Spirit. God is working with you. It's a co-mission, right? We're working with the Lord on this. And this is a great event. You're listening to Southern California Live. My guest is Pastor Greg Laurie. And the Harvest Crusade this year is coming up November 5 and 6 at
2: Anaheim Stadium uh, Anah- Angel Stadium of Anaheim. Well, they've changed they it. First it was the Angel names. Stadium. Then it became Edison Field. Then it became Anaheim Stadium. <laughs> now it's Angel Stadium again, <laughs> which is my favorite of all the names for obvious reasons. Yes, yes. <laughs>
1: that makes sense. To me, it's just the big A.
2: Yeah.
1: And they still have that that out there. I'm going to be there. So if right. you happen to be there, I'm looking forward to meeting you. I'll be underneath the uh, big Angel's helmet, they tell yes. me. Yes. So I'll be there along with some of the other uh, radio people that you know. And uh, so w- that's the five and six. How do people sign up? Should people sign up? It's free. You can just show up, right? You don't.
2: Yeah, you don't need to sign up. Just show up. And I would recommend you get there early, yeah, uh, because it will fill up. We're going to have some pre-crusade things happening uh, for the folks that are there, and then and then we crank this baby up. And I, I'll tell you what, you're going to love it if you've never been before. It's going to surprise you. It is fun. It's exciting. It is entertaining. But ultimately, this is a spiritual event. And it's designed to move people toward Christ. And really the greatest moment of the night always is seeing thousands of people walk down on the field. Yes. Imagine how wonderful that would be if that was your mom or dad mm. or your son or your daughter or your grandparents. We did a crusade in, uh, years ago in Santa Barbara in an outdoor amphitheater, and a lady brought her 95-year-old grandfather And he had said no to this forever, but he finally said, okay, I'll go. And he gave his life to Christ. I mean, the stats are against that. Most people come to Christ before they're like 18, but God doesn't care about stats. No one is beyond the reach of God, but just think about people, you know, your coworker, your neighbor. And like you said, Scott, you might be surprised. People would just say, yes, you know, it's like the Bible gives us that story of that man who went to Jerusalem searching for God. He was from Ethiopia. He was a VIP. He was the treasurer working for the queen. But he didn't find God in Jerusalem. But he did obtain the scroll of Isaiah. that he was reading out loud from. But he didn't understand it. The Lord directs Philip, an evangelist, to go engage with this guy. And and the man from Ethiopia, who's not yet a believer, says, you know, Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? The guy says, How can I know unless someone shows me the way? Yes, People are waiting for someone to show them the way, to take them by the hand and say, this is how you come to Jesus. And I'm assuming that you've built some collateral, some some goodwill in friendships that you have. You've been a good neighbor. uh, You've been a good coworker. You've been a person that people like, you know. And so now it's time to cash some of that in and say, you know, I'd like to invite you to something that really is important to me, and I would love you to be my guest. And you might be surprised by their response. If they say no, they say no. But hey, what if they say yes? And what if they come? And even more, what if they come to Christ? And they come to Christ, and they
1: walk down on that field. You walk down with them. Yes. And you know that they have received Christ. Yes. There's something you learn when that happens. Yeah. Yeah. You learn that that's the reason you were born. Ah, that moment, yes, it's great. That's I really right. want to encourage you. Don't be afraid. The worst they're going to do is tell you no. That's right. And the great news is there'll be a thirty-third Harvest Crusade next year. God you know, willing. God willing, <laughs> right? So there's a, there's more opportunities. Yes. Uh, until uh, you know the Lord calls uh, calls them before him. So, um, uh, anything? Any final thoughts about the crusade? Things that you'd really like people to know.
2: Well, I'd like to mention that you can watch it online. It will be at harvest.org. So if you can't make it out, you can still participate. The online service is watched by thousands of people all around the world. Actually, the audience online is larger than the audience in attendance, which would be around 45,000 or so, God God willing. You know, that's what it's been in the past. But uh, I would ask you all to pray for it that the Lord would use it. Uh, Sunday night, I'm going to focus on the need for revival in America. We're going to show a really powerful scene from the Jesus Revolution film, which was a story of the last great spiritual awakening in our nation. And that's coming up uh, in January. That'll come out in January? That's right. Yeah, That's right. And it's going to be released nationwide. Yeah. And uh, so you'll be able to see see it in the theater near you. They tell me that when it goes for its theatrical release, that 10 million people will see it in theaters and another 100 million will watch it streaming. Mm. And so that's coming down the road. But I want you to know that uh, we need your prayers and we appreciate your prayers that the Lord would bless this as we proclaim his gospel. Pray for good weather. Pray that we have a heat wave. That'd be awesome right, right. around that time. <laughs> Perfect weather. For yes. we- well, let's pray real quick about <laughs> yes.
1: this as we're talking about it. God, I thank you for, uh, Pastor Greg, the ministry that you have uh, given him and the stewardship of this crusade over these years. God, I pray that this year there would be great weather. Mm -hmm. I pray that that weather would be just right to to move the the skeptical person who would use weather as an excuse not mm-hmm. to go. to go, uh, I pray, Lord, that the gospel will be made clear through, through Greg, through the music, through all of the things that are in presentation, and also through the people who are bringing their friends, that when they say, why do you believe this? Mm-hmm. That they are prepared to give a reason for the hope they have in Jesus Christ. Yes. I pray that you would prepare each one of our hearts that you would protect Pastor Greg from illness, that he would be mm-hmm that he would be just sensing your spirit and what he would say on November 5th and 6th. I pray that everybody listening would be thinking right now of that person that they should invite and to invite them and go with them. Amen. And I pray that many, many, many people would come to faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
2: Amen. Thank you. Yeah.
1: Pastor Greg Laurie, so great to have you on Southern California Live today. Thank you. I'm looking forward to joining you this weekend. I'm going to be there on Saturday. Once again, we're talking about the Harvest Crusade, the 2022 Harvest Crusade. this weekend, Saturday and Sunday, 6 p.m. Doors open at 4.30, by the way. It's at the Angel Stadium of Anaheim, the big A. And uh, I really do encourage you to bring somebody To pray about it and that person that God puts on your mind, I really believe that God has purposefully and providentially placed people in your relational world on purpose because you're the one who is close enough to them relationally, whether you work together or you go to school or your next door neighbors, your roommates, there's somebody that you're thinking of who you could go, they will enjoy. It's going to be a great program, really great show. And uh, Crowder's there, Phil Wickham, Newsboys, Jeremy Camps. The music's going to be good. His Pastor Greg's message will be really good. It's not political, by the way. It's you know, When you think about that with the election, you know. I think that'll be something really good for people. Can I encourage you to go? You can get more information at socal.harvest.org. There's a place to sign up there. They like people to sort of sign up and get you on the mailing list and remind you to go. Even if you don't sign up, you can go. You just show up at the door, get there. doors open at 430. It's a festive environment. I'll be there on Saturday. You can find me underneath the big angels hat there at uh, the Angel Stadium. And I look forward to meeting you before the program. If you are there early, stop by, say hello. Would love to do that. Once again, go to socal.harvest.org. Pray about it. Invite the people that God has purposefully and providentially placed in your relational world. I am uh, inviting my my family, too. I mean, they're they're there. We're all going together. And uh, maybe some neighbors, so we'll see. All right, this is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. We'll be back in just a moment. Stay tuned. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Text Scott right now in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Welcome back to Southern California Live. That song, if you're listening on the radio, is Adele. But we learned this week, did you see this, Wilbert, that her her name is not pronounced Adele? There's a big debate about that, but she was on television, I guess, and somebody came up to her and called her Adele. And she said, what? She said, Adele. And she said, you're the only one who pronounces it right. And that the actual way to pronounce her name is Adele. And... And so now there's this debate from all of her fans as to whether or not they have to change what they say, and some people are pretty funny. They're like, "Well, I'm not going to call her Adele. I'm going to call her Adele." And if it's Adele, somebody wrote, "Why don't you spell it U-H-D-A-L-E? <laughs> that I don't know. It's just a, it just made me laugh. That uh, and I suppose it's true In, from a marketing standpoint. And it's got to be accent, right? There's so that's it's. Are you supposed to say? Adele, there's a whole uh, a comedian who does this routine. Who's the guy who does the Hot pot- Pocket Jokes? I'm blanking on his name right now. He, does, uh, he, he talks about going over to Ireland. Ireland, and He couldn't figure out who, uh, who Billy Joel was. And that's how they say Billy Joel. And uh, he said, oh, you mean Billy Joel? And they said, no, we mean Billy Joel. Jim Gaffigan, that's who says this. It. Very funny, but uh, maybe it really is Billy Joel. Uh, people, you, do you have a name that people mispronounce? Do you have a name that people just never get right? That is, in fact, do you have like a fake name that you give because you just don't want to deal with it? Especially if you have to spell out your name for somebody. Uh, the number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. My name is Scott Furrow, F-U-R-R-O-W. The furrow part is misspelled or pluralized or it's it's wrong all the time. It's pharaoh or feral or furrows, lots of different things, and uh, I usually just don't correct it. I mean, I do if it's on like an important form, uh, but this this happens once in a while. Let me ask you this question. What's the name of God? Are we pronouncing that wrong? Did you know that Jehovah, some of you might have used Jehovah, or if you're using a really old text, it might say Jehovah in it. Jehovah is mispronouncing God's name. There's no way on earth it's Jehovah. There is, it's a, it's a made-up word, actually. Did you know this? And I, I wonder about this every time I think about it, because uh, people, um, you know, does God mind that you mispronounce his name? I don't think we really know how to say Yahweh. Okay, some people wouldn't, don't want to say it at all. And uh, so we've come up with other names for for God over time. By we, I mean people who uh, know the living God. You know, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And uh, but Jehovah's wrong. It's uh, here's why the the origin actually comes from the Middle Ages, uh, around 1500. Okay, and so what happened was is over time. So in the Bible, if in the Hebrew Bible, you have the word Yahweh. It's, it's really it looks like YHWH, okay, if you were to look at it sort of in in English. We don't know what the vowels would be there. In in the Hebrew language, so you have these letters there, and the vowels are the, the little dots and things that are around them. And uh, we don't really know uh, what those are or how you would really pronounce it. It just looks like Yahweh. If you pronounce the consonants, that's pretty much what it would be, you know, Yahweh in, in uh, uh, Hebrew. So what happened, though, over time is the jewish people as you saw through the old testament uh once they were exiled in the babylonian empire they stopped using the name yahweh for a couple of reasons one of them was because now that they were in exile they if they wanted to communicate that they had the one and only god or the true and living god the the yahweh name didn't communicate the same thing so they used a more common hebrew word elohim okay and which meant God, and it was easier to communicate God to cultures who had gods, okay, of different kinds, and there was a word for God in any culture, but then they could say Elo- Elohim is the true living God, okay? But they also did that because they started to believe that to say Yahweh would be rude, that since, since, there's some different reasons, but one of the reasons is since we don't really know how to say it, then maybe we shouldn't say it at all, because we don't want to offend, and so they they started using Elohim and Adonai as the words that they would use. So what Jehovah is is later on scribes wanted a uh, a new word to remind readers that God's name was too holy to pronounce. And so they would come up with a different name and they started using Adonai uh, when they would read biblical passages out loud instead of Yahweh. Um But then as the language turned into, you know, from Hebrew to Greek to to Latin, and what happened is they took the vowels from Adonai and put them into the Hebrew uh, Y-H-W-H, and then it became, with Latin, Jehovah, or Jehovah. But it's, it's not the way it is. The vowels in Jehovah are actually the vowels from Adonai and the consonants from Yahweh, and so it's not God's name. It's just an interesting thing out there. Now, if you're, if you're Jehovah's Witness or you got a, a friend who's Jehovah's Witness, uh, maybe they're a little bothered by that, but uh, ask them to check it out and uh, ask them to check out some other things uh, about their faith and why we think that Christianity is right. And uh, it's, it's it's just an interesting thing about God's name that way. And are we going to, when we go to heaven, are we going to call him by name? Uh, do we say, do we call him Sir? I guess somebody called me sir the other day. I was okay with it. I don't, <laughs> I think when I was much younger, people were also calling me. sir. I got called somebody's dad. This guy's probably, I don't know. He's, he's, he's almost my age. I would say I'm younger than him or he, that he's older than me or that he's younger than me, probably, but only by a couple of years. And somebody legitimately said I was his dad. I don't think I look that old and I don't think this guy looks that young. That's just a, you know i don't know maybe i just need to get that off my my chest for a little bit here do you have people mispronounce your name or do does it bug you or do you just let it go i'm just curious 8885282557 528 2557 when we talk about the name of god you know i think what that conversation eventually works out to getting to a place where we talk about saying things and praying in in jesus name uh, do you add this at the end of your prayers? Do you say, in Jesus' name? Do you think about what that means? I think that a lot of time we just say it. Like it, if you're a Christian and you pray a lot, it's, it becomes, at least with me, it becomes very habit. I wonder if there are, are habits that we say in our prayers that the meaning is just lost you know what I'm saying? So we we say a prayer, we'll say a prayer as a family over our meal when we have dinner tonight, and for sure, whoever says the prayer, they're going to say, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, bless the food. It's already blessed, by the way. In Jesus' name, whatever we pray about. Do we just say that, or do we know what it means? Or do we use it as some kind of um, magic word? Do we say things like, uh, if I say, in Jesus' name then God has to do it because he said, if anything I say and what, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father, you may ask me anything in my name and I will do it, John fourteen thirteen and 14, Jesus said. And people have taken that to have the idea that says, if I say in Jesus' name, it's sort of some magic formula. I think this is misuse of Jesus' name. Um, we're probably mispronouncing Jesus, right? Isn't it Yeshua? Anyway, uh, Praying in Jesus' name. This is important because I think we forget this. Do you ever pray this? I do this. I try to remind myself to not do this. Sometimes I will pray, especially if I'm praying in a group or if I'm praying in church, I will say, uh, God, we just ask that you would be with us today. Do you ever pray that prayer? The problem with that prayer is that God is with you, He's there. God is, He's not waiting around outside. He's there. And whenever you pray, you know, God be with me today or God be with us today, it's something I think that becomes habitual in our prayers, but it's wrong because God's there. Here's the better prayer. The better prayer, I try to do this, is to say, God, make us aware of your presence because he's there. He, you know, it's, it's God. When we come together and we're gathering in church, God, make us aware of your presence here. Make us aware that we're just not sitting in a room and you're off in the holy other doing nothing. You're here with us. You're here with us now. And can I encourage you to pray like that in in your life? Because that's that's a big part, I think, even of understanding how to pray in Jesus' name. Because praying in Jesus' name means praying with His authority and asking God the Father to act upon our prayers in such a way that we're saying that in the name of His Son, meaning that we're praying according to the will of God. When you say, I pray this in Jesus' name, what you're saying is you're asking that the Lord's will be done, that you want to do Whatever it is, that's the will of God. That's why, you know, when you pray in Jesus' name, but the prayer isn't answered or you get a no, uh, that's fine because the no means what you are asking is not going to be the will of God. And when you pray in Jesus' name, you're offering that to God. You're saying, this is what I want. And, And if your heart is in the right place, you're asking to do something or to have something or whatever it is in the name of Jesus to benefit the kingdom of God, not just you right, to benefit, or if it's to benefit you, it's so that you will be more effective to do whatever God wants you to do. Does that make sense? See, praying in Jesus' name is praying for things that will honor and glorify Jesus Christ and that will be according to His will. I think there's a lot of thinking that we have to do about that as the church, because we get tied into routines, and then we end up mispronouncing Jesus' name or misusing Jesus' name, or just, I think I think it's just sort of, not paying attention, can I encourage you? Do a couple of things. Remember that God is always with you. And by remembering that, it will help you remember when you pray in Jesus' name, remember that he's there and he's hearing your prayer and that you want to serve him. You want to do what is in his will. I think this this is super important. And I think you will find that your prayer life gets better. And the thoughts that you think about what I ought to be praying for get better because they become kingdom-oriented kingdom of God oriented. We have all this talk that we're doing about the election and about different struggles we have in life and other things, and all that's part of life. I'm sure that God wants us to be there, but what really is the will of God? Are we going to accept what the will of God is? See, I think when you pray in Jesus' name, you're saying, I want to do whatever it is God wants me to do, and I don't want to do it if it's not going to be his will, and I want whatever's going to happen in this world, to be according to God's will. That's the why you pray. And God, I'm asking you to use me in this way in your name, uh, not my name, not somebody else's name, in Jesus' name. That's how we pray. You're listening to Southern California Live. The number is 888-528-2557 if you want to join us. When we get back, we'll talk about a couple more things, World Series. Also, uh, some people are stuck in an amusement park, uh, and they're not allowed to go until they test negative for COVID. Is that a good thing? I don't know if it is or not. 888-528-2557. I'm Scott Furrow. I'll tell you that and more as soon as we get back as the Thursday edition of Southern California Live continues.
0: This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal
1: Live studio at 213-537-3812. Welcome back to Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you today on this fine afternoon. Look at how gorgeous it is outside. I love it when it's like this outside. I hope you had a chance to be out there and check it out today. 888-528-2557. You can also send me an email at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. Are you familiar with the the Chinese policy on COVID, the zero COVID policy, they call it? What it, what it is, basically, it's an attempt to eliminate coronavirus infections completely with with lockdowns where they really lock you down like if you you have to test I think almost every day in some parts of the country and if you've got the COVID then you are quarantined away there's places where they take you and they put you in these little you know like six by ten boxes that are sort of plastic and somebody in a space suit comes by and gives you food and and you might be feeling fine if you've got the uh, Omicron Omicron Variant, then uh, you might be sick for a day and tired for a couple of days. But for most people, you're you're functioning. Uh, in China, they just take you out. They take you out of the 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 world basically because they don't want it. To, they're still doing this, and some people thought they're going to stop doing this. But China's leader just uh, two weeks ago, uh, Chairman Xi Jinping, said that uh, it's not going to happen. They're going to keep doing it that they've waged a all-out people's war, they call it, uh, to stop the spread of the virus. And they've done everything it can to protect people's house, he says, and the, the people and their lives above all else. And if you watch any of the videos, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty horrible, I think, what's happening to people. Except I'm wondering about this. A bunch of people are locked right now in the Shanghai Disneyland because there was a COVID outbreak in Disneyland and they shut the doors and there's 30,000 people in the park and they won't let them go. And, uh, they're just stuck in the Shanghai Disneyland. And at least for a while, they just kept running the rides. And I thought, you know, if you're looking for a, uh, a cheaper way to go to Disneyland, uh, you know what, you can't buy the three day ticket. That's what $17,000 now, if you want to do that here, uh, maybe you get yourself the COVID in Shanghai and you just stay in there for a few days. I mean, you're probably sick for a little bit, but, but I would think after, if it's the same, same variant that so many of us have had, for most of us, if you got it and I got it a while ago, for most of us, you know, we're sick for a day and then uh, we're just kind of tired uh, for a few days, but we're fine. Uh, that's going on. Have you ever wanted to get locked in there? I used to, as a kid, I would sort of fantasize about sneaking into Disneyland or sneaking there overnight. So my parents would take us there and I thought, I wonder if there's a place I can hide and just stay here overnight, and somehow emerge unseen the next day and get an extra day. Do you ever think about that kind of stuff as a kid, or probably as an adult? Maybe you think about it. I thought about that all the time. Uh, I, you know, obviously, I never tried that. People have tried that, uh, and it doesn't work. Um, they used to want to hide. They get. They used to catch people hiding at uh, Tom Sawyer Island. It's not Tom Sawyer Island anymore. What do they call it? It's the uh, Pirate Island or something. Pirates go because nobody's read Tom Sawyer anymore. Uh, but they have seen Pirates of the Caribbean, so they they go over there. And uh, it doesn't work. I was there once really late. It was like 2.30 in the morning. One of the last people in the park, they were shooting people out, and the lights were coming on. And it's pretty bright. I think it would be pretty hard to find a place to actually hide you know, and and not be seen in there, but that's what they get to do in in China. Should we have those kinds of uh, lockdowns again here if the COVID comes back? They really should wear the mask. I think that's what they uh, they say over there. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if we're going to see you know some cases are coming up again, but uh, I don't know that we're gonna we're gonna see all of that uh, really that way. Hey, are you watching the World Series? um Phillies and the uh cheating Astros. It's hard for me not to say the cheating Astros, you know, after all of that. But uh you know, something I think that is for us in uh, if you're listening in Los Angeles and you have an emotion about the the Astros because in 2017 they effectively cheated and um they got caught but they didn't really get punished. And that's the gripe I think that some baseball fans have is that the managers got fired, and the general managers got fired, some executives got fired. Um, a manager of the Boston Red Sox got fired because he had moved on. They got caught a couple of years later and um, but the team should have lost we you know most of us thought the team should have had the the world championship vacated. you don't give it to the Dodgers uh, who they beat because uh, you have to earn it they, you know you can't move that trophy over that doesn't work, but people have thought that. It doesn't really do that. And the, the cheating thing, the cheating moniker sticks with them. You know, it's all over social media and all of that stuff. Um, but I got to tell you, I'm rooting for, for Dusty Baker, who is the manager of the Astros. I definitely want the Phillies to win. However, if, I, if I'm going to root for the Astros, I'm rooting for Dusty Baker, who was the Dodgers left fielder. And uh, he got booed at Dodger Stadium because of the Astros thing uh, a couple of months ago. I don't think that's right. I think that, that you know, if I can just say for those of us in uh, in Los Angeles especially, you know, he's he's one of us. You know, he, he He wasn't there when they cheated. He took on that job, and it's a tough job. He's a great manager, one of the winningest managers of all time, never won the World Series, and I think that would be great. Uh, If he won the World Series. Here's the, the personal connection I have is this. When I was a little kid, one of my favorite memories was going to Dodger Stadium. We lived in Palmdale. And we could get to Dodger Stadium in less than an hour most of the time. And one of my best friends, they had season tickets in left field right by the foul pole. And they've redesigned the stadium now. But in those days... Uh, the seats were, by the foul pole, you were right in the front row. It was a great place to get foul balls, a great place to just be. And we sat in the front, right there by the left field foul pole. Well, when Dusty Baker was the left fielder, he would come out, and there was a tradition. And uh, do you know what this tradition was, if you're listening? If you happen to be around during this time, the late 70s, early 80s, the tradition was, is people in left field and in the left field bleachers would throw packages of gum at Dusty Baker. Not to harm him, but because he loved bubblegum, and that 's just such a fun memory as a kid, so he'd come trotting out to, to left field at the beginning of the game, and then he'd get out there and there'd just be tons of gum, just bubble gum thrown out there to the left field, coming from all over the place and I, you probably couldn't do it today you 'd probably get in trouble and get escorted out if you did that, but that was the dusty Baker tradition i don 't know if this has been a tradition with anybody else, but as a kid. The greatest thing, and I remember one game. I had this package of it was called Tidal Wave Gum. I don't think they still have it, but it was this grape grape gum with some kind of gooey, syrupy stuff in the middle of it. And when you when you bit down on it, it just exploded in your mouth with all of this uh, this syrupy grape yumminess. That was my favorite gum. And I took it and I hit Dusty Baker right on the thigh. Bam! Right on the thigh. And he looks down, he picked up my package of gum. So usually the ball boy would come out and pick up all the rest of the gum, and they'd have a couple people out there trying to get all these packages of gum. There had to be a hundred of them. You know, it was it was kind of crazy. Well, he took mine and put a piece in his mouth, put the rest in his back pocket, and uh, he hit a home run his first at bat in that game, and which I took credit for because of my uh, my title wave gum. And um, anyway, that's, you know, as a little kid, if you're a sports fan or you are – just, you have those kinds of memories, uh, they stick with you. So I've always loved Dusty Baker because of that. So I'm rooting for Dusty Baker. That's the, the long part of the story is. I think we should all root for Dusty Baker, not just because he enjoys bubblegum, uh, but uh, you know, he's a hometown guy. Uh, and uh, he, he matters a lot. So we'll root for him, even though the uh, cheating Astros uh, really should get beat by the Phillies um, for for other reasons. Um... <clears throat> We have Election Day coming up, and uh, are you tired of it? So there's a study out that says most people are kind of tired of it. I would say don't, just hang on just a few more days, and don't forget to vote. I want to encourage you to start at the back of your ballot. We had a guest on earlier this week who suggested that. She was a school board candidate in Caneo in, uh, Valley. Uh, Joel Mancuso was her name, and one of the things she said was, start voting from the back of the ballot. And I would encourage you to do that. That's where your school board candidates are. That's where some candidates are who are going to make a significant difference in your life. And, you know, often we don't vote for those people. They usually get no votes because people just don't know who they are. And a lot of voters just don't vote that far down the ballot. You know, they'll vote for the governor and they're going to vote for the congressperson probably. Maybe they'll vote for mayor and they'll vote for a couple of people here and there that they know about. But a lot of people just skip those. And then there's some other people who just fill in the bubbles randomly based on whatever sign or you feel obligated for some reason to, to vote that way. Can I encourage you to take your ballot if you haven't voted yet and Google all those people, particularly school board people, and find the people who are not going to keep doing things the same way. Find the people who are not going to sexualize the kids. Find the people who are running who are against that stuff and vote for those people. I think most of us are on the same page with that. They're nonpartisan roles, meaning there's not a Democrat or Republican, you know, letter next to their name or any other party. Um, but they're usually conservative or liberal or there's some slate of people kind of running together. Figure out who it is that's going to make changes because the the studies are very bad What we of what's happening. In Europe right now on social media, somebody attached what looks like the state of Wisconsin to the end of Spain on uh, the peninsula there in Europe. And they're asking Americans to ask what country that is. And Americans are chiming in and naming all these countries, Germany and Poland. And and the country doesn't exist. It's not there. It's how bad we are in geography. We should not be doomed to another generation of kids who are going to be mocked with maps by Europeans. That's another good reason to vote, to take this into your own hands and really do that. So I want to encourage you to vote. Do not give up and uh, be active with it. All right, before we go, one extra thing. If you would like election results, I have the ferocious election day special, ferocious election day special. Um, is a results group on Facebook. It's a lot of fun. We just go through the results. It's nonpartisan. There's people far left, far right, everybody in between on there, but it's really about results. And we talk about the systems and things, and it's a fun way to do it. Go to our website, look for SoCal Live, click on the link to the Ferocious Election Day special, or go to F-U-R-R-O-W-C-I-O-U-S.com, ferocious.com, and join the group. We're looking forward to doing that on Tuesday. I'm looking forward to being with you on Friday. That's tomorrow. We're done for Thursday. I'm Scott Furrow. This This is Southern California Live. I'll see you tomorrow from 3 to 5. God bless.
0: Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency,
1: knew all the
0: government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military.
1: Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit
0: of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn